guest today on Latin Pulse, Carla Ortiz. She is a producer and actress from Bolivia, the producer of the film Olvidados, The Forgotten, which is going to premiere on cable on HBO Latino coming up later this month in December. She is coming to us from Los Angeles via Skype. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much, uh, Professor Rockwell. I'm extremely grateful to be in this space and be able to talk to the people that follow you and that listen to you. The film is called Olvidados, The Forgotten. And so I wonder why it was important for you to bring out this memory. Uh, You know, I believe that they are subjects, uh, human subjects that uh, keep on repeating themselves and Uh, We always think that uh, these subjects are only um, exclusive to the country that leaves that moment of tension or sadness. And um, history, you know, tends to repeat itself in different regions. And we can really embrace each other as human beings when we can know this story of the other. Um, Dictatorships, uh, totalitarianism, uh, abuse of power, um, uh, deprivement of uh, human rights have been happening for, you know, decades and decades. And uh, Operation Condor, which is the main subject of uh, the film, um, it was um, a a very difficult uh, process that South America lived in the late 70s. And when I was in Egypt in uh, 19, I'm sorry, in 2010, um, and after the you know beginning of the Arab Spring, I, I realized that these things uh, were still happening everywhere, and that um, um, dictatorships and uh, abuse of, of power was a subject that needed to be put on fiction. I remember my professor in film school told me once that if it hasn't been put on film, it has not happened, and I just felt the urge to um, to put it on film and to tell this part of the story. Have you been surprised with the success of this film? It's still showing in the theaters in Bolivia. It's won prizes, um, international prizes, uh, and now it's come to to the U.S. You know, to tell you the truth, um, there's probably a lot of people that don't know exactly what Operation Condor was, but many people probably, it rings a bell if we say uh, Pinochet, the time of the, the dictator in Chile for a very long time and or they disappeared in Argentina or the stolen children um, in South America. Well, this is what Operation Condor was, that it was um, a, a program, a political campaign that was overseen by the CIA of the United States in order to control the growth of communism and to control basically these governments in South America. And uh, it uh, left, you know, um, many, many families and, and, uh, and lives broken because they would just imprison people, take them, and if they were not uh, guilty or they were guilty of whatever they being charged on, of, uh, they would just get killed or be disappeared. Um, so when I did this film, I, I knew it was going to be a very difficult film because it has torture, it is uh, uh, tough, it is uh, painful, it's sad, uh, but at the same time, it has all this love story. And, and, and when I say love story, I'm not only talking about a, 
a couple. I'm talking about friendship and your love story with your ideals and with uh, what you stand for. And um, yeah, you think that, oh, who's going to want to go and watch a film that uh, shows torture, <laughs> that shows how people's lives are broken. And um, then, especially in our countries, that the subject hasn't been so much touched because it's been sort of a taboo. And um, all of a sudden in Bolivia, we became the, you know, the biggest blockbuster in the last seven years. Um, Bolivia didn't have um, an official selection for the Oscars for over five, six years. Um, we ended up representing the country, start going to so many film festivals and then you realize that it's not just about the film that you did but it has so much more to do with the subject and what the world is ready to start seeing and the world wants to to see these things and the world wants the truth and um, I think that um, it was very overwhelming it was very very difficult uh, for myself as a first-time producer uh, but mostly it was very um, interesting uh, to find out how machism still is like the first and number one flag in the entertainment business. So uh, even more when you are touching a subject of these matters that is socially and politically and historically so um, uh, important and um, just uh, difficult. So yeah, it, I was very surprised and I am still surprised I can't believe they removed the film in September from the theaters and then they they celebrated the movie day and then they put it back and then now they have it in another film, in another theater. And it just, uh, people keep on going and seeing and older generations are showing to younger generations and younger generation students are doing so many forums uh, to discuss these and, and talk about human rights and you know, it's been uh, also called um, uh, of recognized as a, a film of national interest in my country. So it just keeps on growing. And I, to tell you the truth, I get scared every time, a little bit more scared. I would go like, what have I done? And, and where does that fear come from? You know, um, to tell you the truth is when you walk into the unknown, um I, I was, uh, you know, the other day I was having this little talk in a university and I, this girl was telling me how hard it was for her. And I said, listen, um, they play soccer with me. That's what how it was. I mean, if I tell the truth of how was my journey as a producer, um, they play soccer with you and they want you in the ground, you know, and they are going to try to knock you down in every way, even from politicians. They want to pull you on one side and the other side, and they always want to to get you involved and see how when you're going to make the next mistake or when you're going to make the big mistake. And um, you're always afraid to make the mistake, you know, but you have to take all the risks and you keep on going like, oh my God, is it going to be okay? Is anybody going to show up to the film every time that I will go to a film festival? It's like, oh my gosh, who's going to want to come and watch this film and a Bolivian film? We don't have that much history. And then the room will be completely full. And I'm just like, oh God, thank you. Thank you. But yes, I'm, I'm, it's just, uh, I guess a natural thing uh, of somebody who's a little bit obsessive with making things the very best she can. So we have talked on this program multiple times about Operation Condor, and I'm wondering, though, about how it touched Bolivia before your film came out. Was it something that people talked about openly, or was this somewhat of a buried secret from the past? 
You know, Bolivia, Chile, and Argentina have a very different process, and uh, people don't like to uh, recognize this. Um, Argentina has uh, basically took to, taken to court every single general, all of them being uh, charged and being uh, processed. Uh, Bolivia, 90% of the militars that were involved with the actual assassinations have not been persecuted or taken to trial, same as in Chile. In Chile, they still are super respected, a lot of them, and have many followers. So Bolivia specifically, it's been, um, you know, we are a country that 50% is indigenous and the other 50% come from immigrations of the past 100 years, immigrants of the past 100 years. So we have a, a very sort of conservative um, kind of thought uh, rather than uh, progressive uh, in the sense that more towards the right, more towards uh, the um, very kind of uh, capitalism to create progress. Uh, but it, we have these, these two worlds that kind of never completely go together because none of them recognize uh, the history of the other. And we keep on thinking that we are separate, that we are so different um, because we live in, two, in these two uh, different kind of realities. So people won't talk about it and they probably knew there were abuses and that, uh, yes, but, oh, but communism was coming and they were exploding bombs and they were killing people they were getting in the schools. Uh, you say, yes, but um, they wanted to be heard and then they go, yeah, 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 but they needed to be stopped. Okay, true, nobody should be exploding their, uh, you know, bombs anywhere. And that was the end of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yes. It was something that needed to be done. It was something that needed to be done. But then, you know, you ask more questions and nobody really knows any answers because everybody, they don't know what the government is doing. They just put their head inside uh, the earth, you know, like, I'll just keep my head inside. I don't want to know. I don't want to think. I don't want to ask. And that was the real situation in Bolivia. So it's something, yeah, 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 the, the dictatorship. Yeah, but, you know, it was really bad. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. And that's it. But what else? But what were we doing? Who were they persecuting? Who were the people that being tortured? Who were the people? No, no, no. They were insurrects. They were communists. But I mean, really, like 500,000 people incarcerated all over Operation Condor were all these people communists? I mean, is socialism same as communism? I mean, how do we have really? And you start asking all these questions and nobody can answer you because it's better not to talk about it. And then... Um, when I did the film, I remember even in my school, my girlfriends were going, Carla, but what's going on? I mean, does that mean that you are becoming uh, more of a very leftist and and uh, all these questions, you know, like it's so scary. What you're, why are you doing this? And I started getting threatened, you know, from um, different sides of uh, every party to tell it to right and left, you know, here and there. Um, and then when people saw it, it's like, you need to acknowledge that there is a big scar and you need to know what caused that scar. And we need to talk about it. And that's exactly what happened. One day, a lady in the airport came and started insulting me, saying, like, I can't believe what you've done. My children can leave me at peace now. They keep on asking. You are putting ideas in their head. And I'm going, what are you afraid of? The truth, it's the truth, you know? And on the end, obviously, you know, the Minister of uh, Education 
ask our teachers to take um, chill, the children so they can actually talk about this at lunchtime. This was something that you would never ask really your parents and it was something that you would talk, but they really didn't know. And that's exactly what happened in the premiere. People were asking, oh my God, we heard so much about this, but we really did not know. In the film, it would be very easy to take that view and to demonize those who were connected to Operation Condor. And I, I thought that the approach was much more nuanced. It was the main character is is the general who is so conflicted. And in the end, I think that this is a this is a film. Um, you mentioned it as a national scar. I, I as a as someone who's not Bolivian, I saw it as a film about dealing with guilt. Well, yes, I I I, I agree with you because it's all of it. Many of these people would never acknowledge because if you really think about it and you watch the film, this man never asks for forgiveness. And he even says, I don't deserve forgiveness, but I am sorry about what, I, what I've done to you, son. But he doesn't say, I am sorry for what I've done. And this is something um, that it's, uh, you know, for me as a producer and a, a co-writer of the script was something that we had it pending the whole time because I interview many generals and many of them, um, they had the guilt, but they still, some not regretted or, or not. It's very difficult to, and this is why Jose is that character. This general is, he's always conflicted between thinking he's doing the right thing and knowing it's not completely right. Uh, you know, forgiving the life of a child in one scene and the following killing a woman that is confessing something that she can confess, going to the next one of uh, of, his, of taking something that doesn't belong to him uh, or, or killing a comrade. I mean, it, and I think this is... Um, this is where the conflict is. You know, yes, um, we know very clear who were the more mean and who were the more bad. And I'm sorry I use this type of English because um, it is the way it is. But then at some point, you know, some people from the very extreme left ask me, so you're humanizing this military. And I said, well, excuse me, he is human. This is the point. And this is... The point is that how we as human beings can do these horrible things and still create so many amazing things and how we can be both all the time because none of us are completely bad or good. And I think um, there's where the scar and the guilt comes from, you know, and Americans helped us make this film so successful here in the United States. If it wouldn't be for all these people that care, I don't think we'd have ever been, uh, forget about being bought by HBO or or being just in so many film festivals. It's just being in so much media and, and talking about this. It's because this is something that concerns all of us, you know? And yes, and so let's talk about that conflict with the United States, which it's clearly contextualized the United States as part of instigating these programs and helping direct some of the philosophy of these programs. And and here you are in the States uh, presenting the film. I'm, I'm wondering, you're in Los Angeles. What's the reception to to the U.S. as part of the villains in the film? You know, New York, Chicago, uh, Los Angeles... 
um, has has made the film successful and it's been uh, the Americans. And we also had the support of uh, organizations like SOA Watch and uh, uh, many organizations that really Amnesty International that um, helped us and in, in validate in in a way you know our film. But uh, I, I should mention that 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 is the School of the Americas Watch SOA Watch that you mentioned for those who don't track Operation Condor and some of the things that the U.S did um those organizations are still out there and still working for peace exactly and they they for people that don't know the school of the americas is the school that has been training all these militars in the united states and from all over the world and you show the school of the americas in the film yes i show the school of the americas and that's exactly the point you know how they basically um get and and get all these all they recruit all these people and like uh, this person from the saw watch said and they turn them into killing machines um you know the the foreign policy of the united states it's something that i believe that a lot of americans uh, don't agree with and I think that the people that came understood this even more. Uh, a very um, interesting uh, uh, man who I respect very much and, uh, uh, and who is your colleague, um, uh, Blaise Bompard, he said something very interesting in one interview that he did to me. He's like, you do understand that we're talking now about Operation Condor and one day, maybe in 15 years, we're going to be talking about Operation Middle East, which is exactly the same thing. And... Um, I, I froze for a second and then we're going to be asking, oh, my God, so how did it happen? It started in Iraq and then, you know, went into Iran and then, you know, Afghanistan and I, it started all of this happening. I just really think that Americans are now, even though it seems like they don't care, I think uh, American people really want to know what's happening in their country. It's kind of like the same question that I was talking about before in Bolivia. They kind of know but they don't really know, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, we know we hear in the news, but yes, it's for the best of, of the United States. It's for where we're controlling terrorism It's in order to keep us safe. It's the same thing that they told us um, in the seventies. And we let our, our dictators protect our country and our land um, and let them kill whoever else. I think it's the exact same process that the state is living now, where people kind of know, they kind of ask, but they rather not really know. But it, it is an awakening um, moment right now, and I think this is why the film has been successful. Let's talk about your success as a producer. You mentioned the machismo that's part of that process. You mentioned also that this is your first time producing. Do you, do you want to keep producing? Um, tell us a little bit about the producing process. You know, I think it's like when you study uh, medicine and after seven years, you get your, you know, you get your graduation. Then you say, I'm, there's no way I cannot not be a doctor. <laughs> after all this <laughs> that I went through, I, I have to practice. And yes, I will keep on producing. Um, I'm very excited about uh, taking on projects that create awareness and that can inspire change in every different way. Um, maybe I'll try to do at some point more commercial films at the same time and um, even uh, films that, um, historical films, I'm, I'm working on an epic film right now. I think that um, if I would have known what it 
meant and what it had to take to be a producer. I don't think I would have ever done it, ever. I think that um, it's a very difficult um, task because you play God. Uh, you have to take decisions that you don't even know. It was my first time and I had, thank God, an incredible uh, team of people, very experienced with everything. And they supported me and they walked the way with me. But regardless of these, it was um, it was very hard uh, sometimes for them to listen to a young actress uh, who you know, is being uh, celebrated as a sexy woman alive and put together in their head that this girl that at one point did soap operas in Mexico now is producing a film of this state and talking about these matters. And it was very conflictive. And yes, I would even say that the entertainment business is very misogynistic. And um, yes, there is... It's the fault of us women because we don't take these risks. So we can, um, you know, uh, blame them, but uh, we shouldn't because we need to take more charge and we need um, to um, try harder. And I am sure men do the same thing to younger men, male producers. It just with a female. I think it's a little bit harder just because they go, oh, my God. And now there she comes who thinks she can do this because it's hard. And even as a woman, it's even worse. <laughs> the Bolivian government provided some funding for this particular film. But you have stories about how you raised money. And that's uh, a big role of the producer to raise the money that your international team can put to work on the screen. I think you see some of that money. It's it's a sumptuous production. It's it's not something that, that looks like you scrimped. <laughs> I was uh, very fortunate to meet Frank Justra um, almost 10 years ago. He's a very important philanthropist, uh, I mean, in famous tycoon of uh, um, mining and uh, so many other things, but he's dedicated these past 10 years of his life to philanthropy for real. Um, he was the person that put all the cash money for my film. And um, as I was mentioned to you, he, he was very clear. I remember um, we had a promise because he will always, we will always only do philanthropic work together. And I just came back from Bolivia after the landslides there where he gave me $100,000 and I turned those $100,000 into $2 million. And I came uh, with this award and uh, giving him the results of where the money went. And he asked me what I was working on. And I told him, uh, I pitched him the film for uh, basically a 50 seconds, less than a minute. And he said, I'm going to do it. And he said, this is important. And he said, I just have a question for you. You want this film to be seen or you want this film to make money? And I said, I just want this film to be seen. And he said, okay, we're in business and that's what we're going to do. And that was the beginning of everything to produce without the fear of having to think and compromise things uh, because of money. And then my government jumped also with an important um, uh, support and uh, all the governors and the mayors and the private uh, 
oh my goodness, if I could tell you things like the telephonic company in Bolivia gave us 300 lines for six months, all free. Things like these were happening. You know, I went to talk to the commander-in-chief in the military and he basically opened the whole military. He gave us tanks and all these soldiers that you see and all the artillery and arms that we have in the film for real. Um, the mayor of La Paz basically gave me the key of the city with security and open to use anything, would not charge me at all. Um, things like this start happening. And even like uh, the Bolivian airline, they just gave me all these tickets to be flying around and moving with as you know, we had a super huge production. We were a film, we were like almost 200 people working on set all the time. This was literally like a Hollywood production. Like you say, it's like a huge production, but I didn't do it alone. You know, everybody helped. Everybody helped. And um, it began, I think, with the fact that I had to not be um, fearful of returning the money because there's when you start compromising so many things. Can you share with us how much it cost? Um, you know, uh, cash money uh, was $2 million. Um, and uh, basically all the rest, after all the donations, when you know when you have to present the film, it's over 4 or $5 million. Uh, in Bolivia, if you convert um, this uh, amount of money, it would be something like 15 to $25 million. Um, Bolivia, is, it's a very... Um, cheap country it's amazing i'm not publicizing my country but you can basically have a full lunch with a soup salad which is you know your entry and your main entry with um, a chicken and rice and everything a dessert and your coffee for three dollars and fifty cents that's just how Bolivia is. So, um, so if I if if I can tell you, I would have never dream of having all this team uh, together. And the actors were okay. You know, I'm gonna do it for obviously much less money than what they usually charge. You know, this because they understood this is a film that needs to be done. Let's just get it done. And then you know things would happen like. Like what I'm telling you, a hotel would say, oh, my God, all these stars coming, come, you can stay here. I'll give you 80% discount or 50% discount. It just kept on happening. And um, things even like all the way to the mixing, I, I, I'm sure you realize the sound is almost impeccable. It's it, I am so proud of the music and sound and I have this incredible composer and they basically kept on and keep on kept on giving me gifts, you know, okay, we're gonna mix for another week, you know, we're gonna do this for another don't worry, we're gonna do this other because they all got so passionate about the film. So the film is a very sad film that is being done with so much love. So much love. And even my distributors, you know, we've been working every time I'm going to a place over the weekend, you know, at night, midnight, we keep on like pushing these because it's more than just a film. It's it's a film that is telling a little bit of a truth. You know, there was this guy, uh, and I'm sorry that my answer here is it been so lo so long, um, that he said um, Operation Condor, uh, um, Olvidados is to Operation Condor, and South American genocide. What um, Schindler's List has been for um, for the Holocaust, and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe somebody's saying this. <laughs> But um, 
in a way, maybe it's just that little tip of the of the you know of the big um, of the big picture that maybe that's just what happened with this film, and I really hope it inspires other people to take the risk and do smarter films, you know, films that awaken you, not just films that put you to, you know, forget about everything and be numbed. And uh, we go to the movies so much for these matters, you know, like forget about the world, forget about our problems and get numbed for an hour and 50 minutes. Sometimes I think it's important for us artists and for viewers to watch a film, to be uh, aware and wake up. I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about how you prepare as an actress to play someone who is a torture victim. <laughs> you know, uh, when I was doing the interviews uh, for for the work we were doing uh, when we were writing the script, we sat with Elia Petridis for six months and we are writing and writing and listening to the interviews. And I could hear the voice of Lucia. I, I, I knew how she breathed, how she, you know, every time I was talking to each of the ladies that survived the torture. And when I put this in the hands of a Carlos Volado, he completely changed my Lucia. <laughs> he changed this character. My director, yes, and he just showed me a, a different Lucia, and it was very hard because all the all the in depth that I had because I never prepared a, a character the way it happened with Lucia because I wrote her, you know. Yes, it's based in the character of Mauricio Davis, the original script where we based the stuff, but I, I, you know, I put words in her in her mouth. Uh, but the work that Carlos did with me was incredible because he made me completely detached and aboard completely Lucia. And he presented me this other Lucia that was a more um, just completely um, oblivious uh, character that just end up getting into this other world. And um, I think it worked so much easier and better because my remembrance of, of the character I prepared um, was, was so much uh, heavier. And um, I have to give uh, credit to Carlos for what he's done with, uh, with me in the film. And to tell you the truth, I was petrified when Damian Alcazar and uh, Carlotto Cota just arrived from winning from Taboo, this film that, you know, from Portugal two years ago in... Uh, he won so many film festivals and Manuela Martelli won Cannes Best Actress and all these guys that I, they were all, they arrived. And I just remember when I was walking to the press conference, I went to knock on their doors and they were all rehearsing in their rooms. And I ran to Carlos and I said, I can do this. We need to cast this character. They're all so amazing. I won't be able to do it. <laughs> what haven't we covered that you think is important? It's just that a lot of people think this is just for old people. And then they are surprised that once like three young people go on the next five days, there's at least 30 people younger. And then it goes on and on. History is for younger people. Um, yes, history is for younger people. We need to know uh, where we come from in order to know uh, where we are going. Um, this is the... The problem nowadays that uh, 
us as younger generations don't have much ideology sometimes it seems like we don't um, it seems like we don't care and we became so much more selfish but it's only because we don't know where we're coming from and um, it's so much easier to feel compassionate and feel empathy for my uh, immigrant uh, brother and sister if I know their story uh, because I'll find out that her story has so much to do with my story so I I really invite all the younger generations to um, be a little bit curious and understand what's the story of their neighbor. And um, I promise to them that uh, their point of view will change completely when they see that uh, there are so many more things in common than they thought. Thank you so much. Producer and actress Carla Ortiz, the producer and star of the new film, Olvidados, which will premiere on HBO later this month. Our guest today on Latin Pulse joining us via Skype from Los Angeles. Thanks for being on our program. Thank you, Professor. The film can also be purchased in DVD, so um, I will make sure that you receive a couple of copies in uh, my gratitude for this space. And uh, I salute all your people.